Welcome to another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. This week we hear from Kids Camp Supervisor, Marty McDougall. Marty has quite an interesting connection to the ranch. Her parents worked at the ranch in the 50s, and that's where it all began. But I'll let her tell the story. As you'll hear, Marty has a real passion for children and horses. She's introduced lots of kids to the ranch world over the years, and she continues to share her enthusiasm with a new generation of future cowgirls and cowboys. So without further ado, let's hear her story. Let's begin. Where are you from originally? Well, that's a little bit of a story about the ranch. So my parents started working at Los Cab in 1956, right after they got married. My dad had gotten out of the Army. My dad was a wrangler, and my mom was the head waitress in the dining room. So they worked there together. They actually lived at Tortilla Flats, which they now call the beach, but that's down at the employee housing down the hill. And mom got pregnant with me while they were while they were working there. And mom uh, rode and ran the dining room with me as, when she was pregnant. So I was born the third week of May, so the season was over, you know, like the first or second week of May. So she and my aunt rode on an airplane to Denver, and my dad drove all their stuff up there because they were going to work in Estes Park in the summer in Colorado. So I was born the third week of May in Denver, unfortunately. I would have rather been born here, but Mom said that they thought that would be the safest way to go. And so then in the fall, they came back in the season. And since they had me, they rented a little house down off of the Hacienda River on the south side of the highway, down the hill there by the river. And then um, my dad was a wrangler, so he took care of me in the evening. And then my mom worked at night mostly, so they kind of spelled off, and then they had a babysitter for me. And then my brother came along, and we kind of did the same thing. He was born in September, so he was born in Denver also. And then uh, once we both were born, Dad decided he needed something that wasn't seasonal. So he got a job with the highway department here in Wickenburg. And he traveled a lot. And we lived in a little house on Washington Street, just south of the uh, overpass, right down the street from Henry Wickenburg's old house. So I went to elementary school here uh, through second grade. And then we moved back to Denver when I was in third grade because both sets of grandparents were up there. And I didn't want to leave Wickenburg. I cried the whole way. I remember I was holding my goldfish in a jar on my lap in the U-Haul, and I cried the whole way to Denver. I'm sure my parents were like, stop, like, stop. And I'm, whoa. You know, I didn't want to leave the horses and the, the ranch and the desert. I love the desert. And some of my memories of as a kid there, uh, I don't remember being at the ranch. I have a really vague glimmer of a memory of being in the employee dining room which, you know, they call the wagon wheel restaurant. We, on a working cattle ranch, they call that the cookhouse, so we always called it the cookhouse. But anyway, I remember a vague glimmer being with my dad holding his hand in the employee dining room. I must have been really little. But my mom says they used to, all the guests wanted to meet me the next year after I was born, and she said Edie actually had a baby shower for her and me. And a lot of the guests bought me these amazing gifts. I have a wool coat from someplace in New York with a little hat that matched in gloves. And, you know, that was the 50s, so we wore gloves. And I still have a little memory of it because it was so special. And um, then I have memories of living at the house on Washington Street. You know, those were kind of my first memories. So when did you return to the ranch? Uh, I returned in, in the fall of 1978. I had graduated from college in Lamar, Colorado. I have a degree in horse training and management, and I wanted to make horses my life. So I was giving riding lessons, and I thought that would be a perfect uh, job that was like a real job, a regular job. So I called the ranch, and uh, my parents actually worked for Edie and, and Dallas. And then I called the ranch, and uh, I 
was interviewed over the phone and came down and worked and I worked for Rusty starting and I worked that season and I think I worked the next season too. I can't remember. But it was it was kind of a rough um, time because it was kind of feast or famine. I'd either have a whole lot of kids and work seven days a week, have nothing and no hours. So that was kind of a challenge, but I loved the job. I just loved it. It's exhausted by March or April. And I actually went in and talked to Rusty uh, the first year. And I said, I, the seven day, and it was a split shift then. I worked eight to one thirty and six to nine. And I ate all the meals with the kids in the dining room, which is challenging, you know, to keep them sitting down and, and eating. And um, I just said, you know, I'm just exhausted and worn out. And he said, well, that's the job. You can take summers off. And I said, well, I can't do that. I still have to work. I don't make enough money to here to work, you know, to make that work. So um, I did get to bring my horse when I came, which was really fun. So I would play with the kids all morning, and then I'd ride my horse in the afternoon. And I remember trail riding a lot. Um, I would just head out on the trails. Um, I didn't get to take the kids out on rides then. I know later on they did that, but I didn't get to. We just played on the desert or played in the playground or did play games or whatever. But um, I would get on my horse and go explore the ranch. And one day I was riding around, and this really nice older gentleman rode up to me and said, can I ride with you? And I said, sure. So we rode together a lot, and it was Harry Combs. And he was he worked for the Learjet company. He was uh, one of the, I don't know, leaders, I'll say, in the company. And he was a really nice guy. He kind of wanted to know where some of the trails were, and he knew some of the trails I didn't know. So we kind of rode together, and it was nice. He was a nice man, really, gentleman, and good guy. We had fun just, we didn't talk much. We just kind of looked at stuff and said, ooh, that's pretty, and oh, it's cold today, or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, he was a good guy. What did your parents think about you working at the ranch? They loved it. I mean, they they talk a lot of, they tell a lot of stories about the ranch and how much they loved it, and I think they were sad to leave. I really do, and um, I they were really happy about it. They were proud of me, and so um, a couple years ago, I was living in Colorado, and it was so cold and wintry, and I, I'll remember the day exactly. I was It was two feet of snow, and I was trying to get to work, and I parked down at the bottom of a hill. And I have a really good car. I have four-wheel drive and good tires. But uh, I couldn't get my car out. It was so deep. And I thought, I'm not going to dig all the way to the road, to the, to the street, to get my car out. I called my boss, and I said, I can physically not get there. I can't get there today. And I had to pick up kids at school. I've been a nanny most of my career. And I, I said, I can't make it. And he said, all right, we'll figure something out. But I thought to myself, why am I doing this? I hate snow. I hate the cold. What am I doing? This is crazy. My parents live there still, and they're, they're elderly. But I thought, I, if I could live anywhere I wanted to live, where would I go? And it, that answer was Wickenburg. So I started to kind of work towards that. I had to prepare a little. And I talked to my brother and sister about my parents, and they were really supportive. They said, you've been there with them for the last how many years? So if you want to go somewhere else, we'll support that. So they were great about it. My son was super excited. Everybody was really supportive. And I almost backed out a couple times because my mom would get have a bad day and not feel good or whatever, and I'd think, I can't leave them. And everybody said, no, you have to go. And even my mom said, if you don't load your car and go, I'm going to be mad at you. So I finally did it uh, last fall. So... October of, uh, well, a year ago, October of 21, right? 
Yeah. And landed a job at the ranch. Yeah, not right away. I have a friend that lives at Morristown, and um, I, my mom and I came out for a wedding in Phoenix a year ago, May. And I thought, since I'm, since we're here, I'm gonna let's drive up to Wickenburg. Mom and I did. We rented a car, and I said, let's just go see how it feels. I wanted to see how it felt and see if it was still as great as it used to be and how we remembered it. And of course, it's grown tremendously, but not in a bad way. I didn't feel like it was crowded or too many people. Maybe in January it might be or February, but um, but it just didn't feel. You know, it felt good. The temperature was amazing. It was really nice out. Anyway, Mom and I drove up there, and I just fell in love all over again. So I told her, I said, I want to come back here. This is where I want to live. So she was sad, but she said, I want you to be happy, and, you know, I want you to live your life. Don't live your life for us. You know, you need to go and do what you're going to do. So I came down last fall and stayed with my friend in Morristown. And, um, and then when I came back in June, I applied at Lowe's Cab, and they hired me for the kids' club counselor and kids' club supervisor, actually. I was so excited that it's my dream job. It's really, really a great position for me. It's perfect, actually. When I told my family and friends, they were like, wow, that's like tailor-made for you. I said, I know horses, desert, ranch, and kids. I'm in heaven. <laughs> and what role did your dad run the corral? No, he, he worked for, actually, Frank Allen was the head wrangler at the time. And his wife was Jean, and they became like family to us. We really got close to them. They're actually from Colorado. From um, He's from Henderson, which is northeast of Denver. And she's from Larkspur, which is south of Denver, in between Denver and Colorado Springs. Her family homesteaded there in like the 20s or something. She was born in the 20s. And Frank also. She was a second mom to me. And Frank used to ride Jean Autry's horses and keep them, they call it legged up. In, in the Western horse world, you keep your horse legged up, which means you keep them in shape and, and keep them, you know, flexible and, and in good shape. So he did that for Gene Autry. And Gene, back then, trick riding was a male competitive event at the rodeo. So Frank did trick riding. He was short. He was maybe five, six, or seven. Um, and, and Gene was maybe five, five. They were both small people and very athletic. So they, so Frank did trick riding and he rode Gene Autry's horses. Then when he married Gene, they shifted it into more of like an exhibition for the women. So Gene would trick ride. And that is her, that picture is her doing, I can't remember what that's called. I, something simple, maybe like shoulder stand. And her horse's name is Mickey Mouse. And my dad talks about Mickey Mouse, what a great horse he was. He would just make a little run right in front of the grandstand, and then he'd slow down. And he did it right every single time. Back then, they would stand. They'd have two people standing with a ribbon or a rope in the arena to keep the horse up against the grandstand. So the horse would run up against where the crowd could see her or him. And then it would, uh, then, they, then they'd stop the trick and then get back on the horse. But they have a special saddle with a certain, the, the horn is like a metal uh, thing she can hold on to. And it has little handles on the back. Jean showed me her saddle, her trick saddle. And it was red, white, and blue. And she always tried to wear red, white, and blue. She'd wear her blue pants and her white shirts and, and red scarf or something. And uh, she was a really good trick rider. So um, I was taller than Frank. I was like 5'9", almost 5'9", and he called me high pockets because I was taller than him. <laughs> but he was a formidable man. He was really kind and really just had a really soft face and eye, but you did not question him. Like if he said no, that was it. And like my dad said, people would come down to the corral and say, well, I want to ride that horse. And Frank would just say, no, you're riding this one today. And they'd go, okay. He just had that commanding presence like some people have, but very kind. 
and he was always really kind to me, and I wanted to learn everything I could about horses and the ranch life from them, and I did. And he passed away in the mid 70s, so he was gone by the time I came back. Anyway, they were just phenomenal people. I just adored them, and I took my first horse ride in the corral with Jean uh, as an infant. I could, I was sitting up, but I wasn't walking yet. So, but my mom said they took me off the horse, and I screamed and yelled. They put me back on, and then I was happy. <laughs> so, and I actually also got to ride with Everett Bowman that day on his mule. He's a pretty famous character around here, and I have a picture of me as an infant on the mule with Everett Bowman, and I was enjoying myself, it looked like. So I started young. Yeah. Was he at the ranch? He was. He actually worked at the Flying E as a wrangler, but they had what they called dudios, which were like rodeos, and they'd get the guests you know, trained to run barrels or do Gymkhana events, and they'd, they'd all come together. And so at that time, uh, Ramuda Ranch was going as a dude ranch, and I remember as a kid we used to go out there. My parents were friends with people that worked there, and we'd go out there and swim in the pool and hang out with them. And um, then there was uh, Slash Barquet was going, Flying E. Um, this was when I was a kid. And then uh, Monta Vista was a, a guest ranch. Slash Barquet was a resort. They didn't have horses, but it was a resort. It's now the Meadows, the main Meadows building north of town. When Mom and I came uh, two Mays ago, when, I, when you drove in, I didn't recognize the ranch at all because the golf course is there along Vulture Mine Road. And I turned in, I would have never found it. And when we drove in, I was completely disoriented until we got to the corral. And then I was like, now I know where I am. So we drove up to the main lodge, and it looks very much the same, which I was happy, really happy about. You know, they've extended the landscaping. But I had, when I worked here in the 70s there, I had the same kids' club room that I have now, but I just had the one end. I had the number 108 on the other side, and I just had one big table and a bunch of games in there. But I, I did arts and crafts and things with them in there. And we and the kids like to play in the card room. We'd go get games and play in the card room in the sunshine. We'd do that. and But mostly I tried to keep them outside. And that's kind of my goal now also as the kids' club supervisor is to help the kids unplug, to get them out in nature, to help them learn about the desert and definitely exposing to the horses and that the western lifestyle that's my priority for the kids that come visit the ranch and anything that we can do around that is is something that I'm going to focus on but when I was here in my 20s I just we just played and I have a fun story about that actually too I had a it was one of my first kids in the fall and this mom came to me and she had two cute little girls I think they were maybe eight and six let's say really cute and they had their little jeans and their boot, their new boots, and they were so adorable. And she had their hair braided, and they were just adorable. Anyway, she said, we live in New York City. The only place outside that we go is Central Park. And she said, I want the girls to be exposed to the desert. And I said, I can do that. So at that time, the golf course was not there, and we'd go that direction. And I found this big hole that somebody had dug with a bulldozer. So I took them over there, and they slid down the the dirt on their bottoms. They We picked up rocks. We looked for lizards. We watched the birds. We listened to the wind. I mean, we I exposed them to the desert. But I realized by the time it was lunch, I looked at them, and they were filthy. They had twigs in their hair. They, they were scratched up. I thought, oh, my gosh, this mom is going to kill me. Like, they were really, their pants were filthy. They had dirt in their pockets. I mean, I really exposed them. To the desert. So when I, I tried to kind of brush them off and get the, the twigs out and kind of clean them up a little bit, one girl tore the, the elbow of her shirt. I was like, oh man. I said, I hope, my, I hope your mom's going to be okay with all this. So anyway, we went back for lunch and the mom came over and she said, oh, 
I can tell you girls had a wonderful time and they were both just beaming, you know. And I thought, whew, she was so happy. So <laughs> that made me feel good. We spent the whole morning out hiking in the desert and the girls loved They wanted to do it again the next day. So we went somewhere else and every day we went a different place. And then we'd swing on the swings and I swam with them back then. If it was a nice day, I'd get in the pool with them and swim. And that was kind of what we did, board games and yeah, so it was fun. What has changed in the kids' club from that period of time to now? You know, I think the kids have changed a lot, I've noticed. Um, like, I've tried to get them to do a nature hike like that, and they don't want to go. So we do, uh, like, the paved path. We walk back towards the spa, or we'll walk down by the nature center, and we'll count birds and whatnot. And I'll say, do you want to go out? No, they don't want to do that. So I'm not going to push that, but I, I'm going to encourage that maybe. So... Um, that's a big change. And and the kids are, you know, with the COVID thing happening, I, I think they're a little more subdued. They're a little more afraid of things, I think. So that's something I want to do too, is help them, you know, learn to kind of branch out a little bit. Like I had one eight-year-old girl, she'd never played tennis. She'd never ridden a horse. She'd never um, played checkers. She'd never uh, done some of the crafts that we have in there. So I taught her to play checkers. She was really good at it. By the last game, she beat me soundly. And I could see the little gears in her head turning, figuring out how the game went. And she loved it. And so she told her mom, when her mom picked her up, she said, I learned how to play tennis today. I rode a horse in the ring ride. I learned how to play checkers. And I did this craft today. And she said, it was a learning day. <laughs> and her mom, of course, was really happy about that. And she said, well, we'll do tennis. We'll get checkers. We'll, we can do that. So I felt really good that she had been exposed to some new things Maybe not all dude ranchy things, but some new things for her. And that felt really nice to be able to expose kids to something that they haven't done. Because the kids in the 70s and 80s had played checkers. They had played on the tennis court. They had hiked out in the desert, most of them. They had, a lot of them had ridden horses already. And, you know, a lot of families come year after year. So, you know, they start riding in the ring rides when they're young, and then they go on the trails as soon as they're old enough. But these kids had not had that. That's a big difference. I noticed they're just subdued and quiet. And I want to get them out and let them be loud and let them run around in the desert and just kind of feel that freedom, you know, feel that wind in your hair. <laughs> so, What were the ages of the kids in the kids' club back then, and what's the age group now? I think it's the same. It was 5- to 12-year-olds. We have babysitters for younger kids. And actually what we did, uh, we went down to, for the ring rides, which to me is a priority. If they want to ride, we're going to ride. So we went down to the corral, and they have a wonderful horse caught for us. His name's Slim Shady. He's fabulous. He's a real gentleman. He's very mellow. So Diane sat on the bench with the, the younger kids, or the kids that were waiting, and then I led the kids around on the horse. And their smiles were just would melt your heart. One of them could not stop smiling. She, I kept looking at her, and she was just like, and it kind of made me tear up a little bit. It was so cute because I thought, here's four more little horse girls for the world, you know, that got to go ride a horse in the desert. And the older girl, uh, the, or the six- or seven-year-old girl, had ridden before, and she wanted to, to have the reins. And I said, you know, we're not going to do that, but you can go on a trail ride and hold the reins yourself. So, and, and I said, we'll go a little faster, and we'll go the other direction than the other kids. I tried to shake it up a little for her. But, yeah, the younger kids just were, it was so fun to see their faces. And, and they were just so excited and happy. And that's my joy, too, is to see them relax and see the smiles come back. And watch their eyes light up and just enjoy. We picked up feathers. We found feathers and we put them in their hats like the cowboys and cowgirls do. And we just, you know, simple things like that can be such a joy for a kid. And just we closed our eyes and listened to the birds. 
listen to the sounds of the wind and you know, I just wanted them to have a, a really rich experience. And I was the same back when. Um, in fact, back when, I remember in the 70s and 80s, like I said, I didn't get to ride with the kids, but there was a man named, it was either Bob or Bill Clough, and he would bring ponies out during spring break and Christmas and Thanksgiving week. He'd bring these wonderful, lovely little ponies that were, he'd bring five or six of them and have them all with kids' saddles, and he'd saddle up all the kids and get all the kids that wanted to ride, get them on the ponies, and we'd put them in the round pen and just walk around with them. And they got to have the reins, hold the reins, and sit up there, and they rode around till you know, we were tired. And, and they just loved that. I and mean, that was a really nice uh, thing that the ranch did back then, to have the kids all get to ride a small horse themselves. That was a really bless. Uh, it was a big blessing. I'm going to teach the kids how to rope. Um, I borrowed some ropes from Tony. He has a couple of real nice soft cotton ropes. So I'm going to, I tried with a couple of kids and they weren't interested. But I know there'll be a few kids that will catch on to that and they'll like it. And we have trick ropes in there too. I'm not a great trick roper, but I can spin it enough to keep it open a circle. And, and I've done that with the kids too. And then jump roping. So we, we do roping. We do catch roping, trick roping, and jump roping. And I'll take them down to the lawn area and let them do that. But I can teach the kids to rope, and that would be fun. I hope that somebody will want to do that. It's a little hard to pick up, you know, so a lot of them get impatient with it. But um, one little girl I had, her dad said, he dropped her off in the morning, and he said, okay, it says that you're going to be riding and roping by the end of the day. And I was like, well, that's a little bit of a stretch, but we'll do the best we can. So she did ride, and she loved the ride. And then when, when I, right before their dad was going to pick her up, I was like, we've got to do the roping. Like, we have to do, we have to show dad. And she just had a hard time with it, and she got bored with it. So I said, let's do the trick roping. So we showed dad. I said, we're not catching any calves yet, but we've got the trick rope going. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's been fun. What changes have you noticed from when you worked here before? Um, it's more, uh, I'm trying to think of the words. There's a little more structure uh, Rusty basically hired me and just turned me loose, which was nice for me because I managed that fine. I didn't need a lot of supervision. And for me, it's been a lot different because the Kids Club is a bigger program now. So I've got staff. I've hired staff. I didn't really have anybody. It was just me before. So that's a new change for me that it's a full-time and I'm, I've got staff. So I'm doing recruiting, interviewing, uh, training, hiring, scheduling, all that. That's new for me personally. What I'm seeing that I really like is the families can come, and I love being able to take the kids so that the parents can go play golf, they can go do archery, they can go to the spa, and I love seeing how that works because that wasn't that way in the 70s and 80s. The main activity was the horses, the rides. And my dad said they actually used to take people out for an eight-hour eight ride. Like they'd make box lunches in the kitchen, and they'd go out all day. And uh, dad always took those. My dad liked those. And Frank didn't like those, so he let my dad take those. And, um, and they only had, dad said they only had three or four wranglers back then. And the wranglers did all the shoeing of the horses. And he asked me how many they have now, and I think there's eight or nine when I counted. And, and he said, well, do they do the shoeing? And I said, no, they have a farrier do the shoeing. You know, we, and, we, and they worked seven days a week. My dad said they worked every day. Um, and so those are a lot of big changes. I like having two days off a week. That's a big change. Walk me through a typical day. So I show up at 8.30 in the morning, get, the, get everything ready, 
you know, unlock the door, get get anything planned for the day. And then the kids come at 9, and I usually like to get to know them. We'll do a craft or play a game or just talk and kind of find out where they're from and, you know, what if they want to ride. And, of course, I always say, we, you know, you want to ride, right? So then we'll go down to the corral around 10 or 10, 15, and uh, Tony or Andrew will have a horse saddled for us. Uh, we have this lovely horse named Slim Shady. He's 33, I believe. He's a wonderful gentleman. He's a really sweet... I tell the kids he's a grandpa horse. But that got me in a little trouble with one kid because he said, well, where are his kids? And I said, well, I don't know if he ever even had kids. I'm not sure. And Tony's sitting back there cracking up because he's like, good luck with this one. So I was like, well, I don't know if he ever had kids. So anyway, Slim Shady is an old... He's an old gentleman horse, which is what I meant. And he said, well, if he had kids, where would they be? And I said, I, I don't know if he ever had kids. I don't know. And um, he said, is he a boy or girl? I said, he's a boy horse. Most of these horses are boy horses. Well, why are they all boy horses? Where are the girl horses? Where are the mommy horses? So I had to try and answer those questions. And Tony had to leave. Like, he was laughing so hard. So I tried to answer him. I said, well, the, the mommy horses are having babies. Some of them, not all of them. And I'm realizing I'm digging myself a pretty deep hole at this point. I'm like, how can I change the subject? And he goes, well are any of these horses daddy horses? And then I'm thinking, no, I don't want to go there. So I said, no, they're not. They're, they're just not daddy horses. And I said, just because they're not, you know. And, and so then he said, well, how, how do mommy horses have babies? And to, Tony's back at this point, I said, I said, well, they have them kind of like people do, except they don't have to go to the hospital. So then I changed the subject. So I said, so Slim Shady is a really nice guy. He's been at the ranch for like almost all his life. Like I talked to a guest that rode him 20 years ago. I said, so he's been here a really long time. So I'm trying to get off the subject. And and then he goes, well, Slim Shady's kind of small. I go, yes, he is a little on the small side, but it's perfect for us kids, right? And and and, the, and then the kid goes, well, how come some horses are little and some are big? And I said, they're like people. Some people are smaller. Some people are bigger. Some Shady's just a smaller horse. And some of the other horses are just bigger, you know, and it takes them about two years to grow up to their full height. And so I'm explaining all this, and I'm just finally getting a little like, oh, my goodness. And Tony just was, was cracking up. So finally I just said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> And then, then we had to talk about something else anyway. But the, such a cute little kid. But yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So we ride. <laughs> Sorry, I got off the subject. And then we, um, I try to uh, bring him back to the room and we'll do some quiet time or play a game or do a craft or something. And then we eat in the dining room. Uh, the kids are eating off the buffet now, which is working really well. And then we came back and did crafts. They wanted to color all afternoon. So we colored, we colored unicorns, we colored coyotes, we colored cactus, we colored, um, oh, just all kinds of things. Yeah, that was so a really fun day. dinner with their parents. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, then they, they come get them at four or before. Some of them come get them earlier because they want to swim or uh, one, one family came because they all wanted to do archery together. So they came and got the kids for the archery. And then um, the kids club is over at four. So the kids, uh, parents come get them then and then I clean up or whatever and, and then head out. Has that changed that now families do things together, do activities together, and back then it wasn't necessarily the case? Yes, yes, definitely. Like, I'd have the kids, you know, all morning, and the parents were riding, generally speaking. You know, now they have options of golf and whatnot. But, yeah, now it's been really neat. I've really enjoyed that family 
the way that works. My first kid I had this year, this is a good story too. She, um, she was 10 and her parents wanted, her mom really wanted to ride. So this was a Thursday. So her mom really wanted to ride on Friday with the dad and the older brother who was, I think 13. And she didn't want to ride cause she was scared of the horses. So the, so they all went and did their thing that day. The boys went and I think they did archery or, sh- or trap shooting or something. The mom went and had a massage. And so I, th- I was, committed to helping this girl not be scared of horses so she could go ride with her family the next day. So we went down to the to a corral and stood there and I love that several horses will come and say hello. So one horse, a black horse named Alex, is really cute. He came over. He wouldn't let any other horses near us. So I was petting him and I'm a horse freak. So I'm kissing him on the nose and we're like he's nuzzling me and we're doing this thing and and uh, Kate was watching, and she was really, really hesitant. But I said, just come and, and let him smell your hand. So she did that, and he was very gentle with her and very sweet. And finally, I said, just feel him right here above the nostril. It's the softest, softest fur you'll ever feel. And I kissed him on there, and she was kind of watching me. So she finally touched him there, and he held really still. And then she pretty soon she's petting him on the head, and pretty soon he's nuzzling her hand, and she petted him on his head. And so she, they made friends, and it was magic to watch her bond with him. It was really neat because he was all for it. And I jokingly said, see, he doesn't want anyone else to be friends with you. He wants to be your horse friend. He doesn't want any of the other ones because he kept doing his ears and saying, get away. So she got tickled by that. So anyway, she got more comfortable. So then we went up in the little um, crow's nest thing, the little announcer's booth up there, and we were watching them. And I showed her, I said, see how some of the horses are friends, they stand together, and some of them don't like each other. You just like people. I said, they have personalities like we do. They like to hang out with certain people and not others. So we watched that. And they'll stand head to tail in the summer, and when they swat the flies, they swat their buddy's face and their bottom, and then they, the other end is the same. So I showed her how they do that. And then I showed her how some of them don't, you know, one of them would walk over and put their ears back and chase these two away. And I said, he's like one of those kids that says, leave me alone, get out of here, you know. And so I kind of tried to relate it to, you know, kids. And so she got a lot more comfortable with the horses. So anyway, we went down and Alex said bye to us. And and uh, so she said, can I ride him? And I said, let's go ask. We'll go ask the Wranglers. So we went and Andrew was there. And we, I told Andrew the story. And Andrew said, absolutely, you can ride him tomorrow. So she said she wanted to ride with her family. And she went with her family, and her mom texted me and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. We had the best time. She had a great experience. We all got to ride as a family, and we all had a blast. So that just made my whole week. (laughs) And so now they live in Phoenix, and and they want to come back. And uh, the little girl said she had a friend that loves horses. And she said, she's going to be so happy that I'm not afraid anymore. And I said, I'm happy that you're not afraid, and your mom and dad are. So that was a really neat success story. That, That just, yeah, that's so awesome. How has Wickenburg changed? I love the downtown has not changed much. Well, actually, no, it has. Let me go back with that. So in the 60s, 50s and 60s, on the corner there, we did not have a stoplight. There was only a stop sign. And the corner there at the T, you know, where uh, the T is where Tegner goes north and Wickenburg Way goes uh, east and west. So down there, that was, we called from that area west was the California Highway, to the southeast was the Phoenix Highway, and to the north was the Prescott Highway. So that's how you described it. Well, it's on the Prescott Highway, or it's on the Phoenix Highway, whatever. So there was no, no uh, stoplight there. There was a stop sign. I think it was just from Tegner. I don't, there wasn't one going east and west. 
So anyway, um, so we lived up on Washington. So we would walk to downtown. We just had one car, and Dad had the car. So Mom and my brother and I would walk downtown, and grocery shop there on the corner where the museum is now was a grocery store. Or maybe it was the pharmacy. I think it was the pharmacy. It was the pharmacy. Anyway, so we'd go in there and get, you know, whatever mom needed in there. And then down a couple of doors was the grocery store. And they actually had a large sandbox with a tie rail there in the parking lot. So you could ride your horse there, tie your horse up, get your groceries, and ride your horse home. And I thought that was so cool. I never saw a horse there, but I thought it was really neat that they had one. And they they had a sign on Tegner that said, no horses on the sidewalk. And I wish they hadn't taken that down, but I remember thinking that's pretty funny. And um, anyway, so then I guess that burned down in like 1970, and then they built the museum and the, the other stores there on that corner. And then across the street of Tegner, kind of where the Circle K is, was another pharmacy. One of them was Ryan Evans, and one of them was Wickenburg Pharmacy. Anyway, and they, they had this old soda fountains, you know, where you could sit at the bar stools, and they'd make a root beer float or whatever my grandma would bring us down there and we'd have a treat with granny and and then my parents were really good friends of the people that had the other pharmacy so we'd go in there con connie beestrom i think was his name i'd have to check with mom and dad anyway then johnson's the store just north of it was there as johnson's it was a clothing store they had all the basic clothing it was like a little small dry goods store is what my mom calls them a dry goods store which is clothes and socks and things like that and then um the other stores up, up the street were pretty much the same. Uh, the Bar 7 was still there. My parents partied there. I partied there in the 70s. La Cabana was there also, same. My parents partied there, and so did we. And um, the Bar 7 still had great food. They always had good entertainment. My dad actually tells a funny story about that. So the guests would say, where are you guys partying tonight? You know. And if they liked the guests, they would tell them where they were going. And if they didn't, they would tell them the other place. <laughs> So they wouldn't have to. And then they'd say the next day, oh, we changed our mind, you know. <laughs> but my grandma actually had an antique store where Trader Jay's is now on, on the Phoenix Highway or Wickenburg, uh, East Wickenburg Way. Uh, she had an antique store called Grandma's Trunk. And my parents had a store for a while across the street called Poncho's. It's in one of those little, I don't remember which one, but the, and where the Verizon store is now was the Gold Nugget Restaurant when I was a kid and in the 70s. It was really good food. I remember they had red flocked wallpaper, and I just was fascinated by that. Like, wow, that's... And red carpet. like it, And then everything else was gold. And they had a Wickenburger, which was the hamburger. and Oh, and um, where the Philly cheesesteak is placed, it actually was a Navajo Hogan. It was a real one. My grandma was friends with the lady that owned it. Her name was Millie Ogg. And we would go over there and sit with her. I loved to hang out with my grandma. Anyway, so we'd go and talk with her. And she made homemade fry bread in there. She sold Navajo rugs, turquoise jewelry, kaibabs, all the real Native American Navajo. They called themselves the Diné. They uh, made all of that. And she would sell it there. And it was a real hogan. It was the brown wood with the um, cone roof. And the doors always faced the east. I don't know if people are aware of that. But anyway... And in the 70s, out on the Phoenix Highway, where there, there's that big uh, store that's got the big statues, the, the big uh, horse statues, that was called the Quarter Horse Inn. And that was a, they tried to make it like a dinner, uh, dinner theater. They'd have live bands in there. And that was a nice place to party when they had a good band there because they, they had a nice dinner. And then they'd have music, live music. And, of course, um, in the 70s and 80s, 
Charlie's was there, and I actually worked there in the summer in the off season. I worked for him, and um, he that's a you know has been there. I don't think it was here when my parents were here, but it was here in the seventies, and we'd eat there. And the the place that's the Western Laundry now was a bowling alley. And it, they had the best food in there. We'd go eat there specifically to eat the Mexican food there. They had a little lady cooking in there, and she, oh, the food was amazing. And it was a fun place to go. You know, people, you could get a beer and bowl, you know, and people were bowling and having fun, and there was music, and they had the jukebox going, and the food was great. It was a really fun place to go and hang out and party. And the, the place on the west of it that's a brown, it's a brown uh, building, it's a couple down from the from the um, bowling alley was the rancher bar and that was the main place we partied it was a just a bar and it was out on the california highway and that was kind of the place where kind of the young people went and and we partied there a lot so of course wickenburg ranch now used to be the wickenburg inn so in the 70s and 80s that was the dude ranch as well wickenburg inn um, and there, they had a lot of horses, too. They had a really neat group. Um, I used to get off work, uh, try to get off work sometimes on Saturday night and go on their cookout ride. They had a really fun cookout. And then they would let me go. I'd ride on my boyfriend's ride, and I'd bring up the rear and, you know, kind of take care of the people in the back end. And, and they'd give me dinner. And, and they had a cowboy that sang around the fire, and it was really fun. C.W. Williamson was his name. And uh, that was fun going out there. So back then they had, you know, they had Ramuda, Wickenburg Inn, Slash Barquet, um, KL Bar, Flying E, Monta Vista, and Los Cab. Los Cab was the bigger, more premier ranch. They wanted it to be more kind of classy, I guess, and, and more upscale um, patrons and guests and whatnot. Is it hard to believe that this is basically where you started and now you're back at the ranch? I get a little teary about it sometimes because I thought, like I said a couple years ago, I thought where would I want to be if I could be anywhere I want to be? It would be back at Los Cab or at least in Wickenburg. Yeah, absolutely it feels that way. And I know my grandma's smiling. My parents are happy about it. My my siblings don't remember it like I do because I was older and I remember it so well. Um, and it's just a place in my heart. It's been in my heart forever. And I'm so glad it's still here and that, you know, Wickenburg's changed it, I think, in good ways. I think it's grown in good ways. The library was not here when I was a kid. It was an older library. We didn't have the community center. I don't remember what was down here. We did have Coffinger Park, and my brother and I swam over there all summer. That's what you do here in the summer. You just swim. And I kind of learned to swim there. So, I love that Wickenburg it still holds a lot of the original, the old Western feeling. I love that they've tried to maintain that. I hope they'll continue. Even though it's grown bigger, I was worried about the expansion in population. I thought, you know, I hope it doesn't just change the flavor. But I don't think it has. It feels still really Western and really relaxed and kind of Western and down home. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to know people really quickly, of course, working at the ranch and I love that. That was one of my goals was to come down and make friends and meet people and immerse myself in the community. And I've been able to do that really easily. So. And how has your experience at the ranch changed you? Oh, gosh. Um, that's a good question. Let me think about that. Well, in the 70s and 80s, it really gave me a place to feel like I could use my gifts and talents. And I love the desert, and I just loved being part of a wonderful legacy because it's such a legacy. Uh, for not just me and my family, but for many families. Um, you know, a lot of the families that came in the 40s and 50s bought homes there, and they've been coming for generations, and I love that part. Uh, I think now 
it's helped me to kind of step into, I'm getting to use a lot of the skills I've used in my life. I've never actually had employees before. I've uh, scheduled volunteers at another position I had, but this is different. So that's helped me grow in that area as a manager. And But just realizing I still love the desert. I still love the weather here and just the people. I sincerely can say that I really like everybody at Los Cap. All the staff, all the guests I've met, everybody's wonderful. Just really, everybody cares about the place. They're good people. I love that there's people from all over the world. You know, we have people from Ireland and South Africa and all over the U.S. And I love finding out about people's stories and where they're from. And uh, I think that's just helped me expand and realize the good things that I loved about it are still happening here. Thank you, Marty, for sharing your stories. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. It's been awesome to see our audience growing. So thank you so much for sharing the podcast. We'll be back next week with another cool character. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. Souvenirs Podcast is produced by Susie Miner. Background music written and performed by Dick Fredrickson.